Hey folks and welcome to a daily rating special. On today's show we'll be looking at a very specific and brief period in Hollywood. In the 1970s, dozens of films were made that were largely cast with black actors and directed by black filmmakers. The films were made in an effort to mainly appeal to black urban audiences, and this subgenre was coined as black exploitation. Some of these films ended up having so much appeal that they were successful across racial and ethnic lines. But from the start of the genre in the 70s to present day, black exploitation has been a love for some and offensive to others. Today, Vince will review a handful of films from that era and will deconstruct this controversial genre of films. And whether you're a fan or not, there's no denying that this genre has given us lasting characters, funk and soul in the soundtrack of film, and influenced the work of directors such as Spike Lee and Quentin Tarantino. So it's going to be a great show, folks, so stay tuned and enjoy. Mr. Vincent Daly, how are we doing, buddy? Tom, how's it going? It's going okay for me. We've got an interesting special and here. We do, we do. Uh, one driven by kind of a natural curiosity with the with the term, with the era, with the the music, of course. Yeah, I think uh, people get scared of the whole of the word black exploitation. Yeah, because it seems like you're exploiting black people. Right. Because it's almost like what's in the name. Right. And kind of what happening, but at the same time. It, it was. It was all black cast and yeah. meant for black audiences. So it's not supposed to be pandering or insulting or, yeah, or stereotypical, yeah. but it, it's it's a very weird genre of films. Yeah, it, it's, it's a tough way to go about it as a term because it, it's both used to describe the film era, but paradoxically, it's also a criticism of the film, uh, of right. both you know watchers at the time, audiences at the time in the early 70s, and, and still to today. Uh, we interact with this term because it is exactly Tarantino's style, and, yeah. and, and after watching these films, I agree. Tarantino just rips off these films constantly. Well, and, and Tarantino later, well, because he's even like promoting, uh, he's been promoting a latest book and everything mm. like that, and talking mm-hmm. about how some of his earliest films are some of the best moments he had yeah. were being in these films, yeah. all with black people watching the black exploitation films mm-hmm. of all black cast, mm-hmm. because it's when he felt most manly. Oh, interesting. Uh, because interesting. he was basically just raised by his mother, and that's it. Oh, wow, wow. So when the boyfriends would take him out mm. to go see a movie, sure. it was like this manly, awesome experience he was having. Uh, yeah, and yeah. And he fell in love with these black exploitation films. Yeah, absolutely. I think maybe even the earliest that we probably, you and I, in our personal lives, uh, came across this was with the comedy Black Dynamite. Yes, which and it is a loved. comedy. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. Uh, but yeah. Uh, yeah it, great it, quotes. That's a ridiculous movie. <laughs> But Black Dynamite, I sell drugs in the community. <laughs> so good. Uh, but yeah, a, a problematic, a paradoxical term, if you want to be highbrow with it, just because it does have, you know, again, it, it's it's equally a criticism, but also the only way to describe the film era uh, and the many films within that. Well, it is uh, now, and that's just what that's just the word that we have now. Yeah, for exactly, it. exactly. So it is interesting and great. Mute like soundtracks came out of this. Yes, music. I mean, and I think. What would you say? The most notable is Superfly, would you say? Um, uh, definitely Superfly's up there. I mean, the, what really drove my natural interest to this, because I had awareness of it, I had awareness of the term through, you know, kind of getting into film, but also I was really falling in love with every one of these soundtracks. Uh, and in a very real way, I said, 
is this worth your time? And that is usually the magical ingredient for why I dive into a special, that I have that curiosity of, is it worth your time, you know? And kind of like I said in the intro, there's around 30, a little bit more than 30 of these films made in a very short period of time. Shotgun blast. So how do you go, this is kind of one of our specials, like an essential special kind Mm -hmm. of, you know, the most important, the essential films kind of. How do you parcel through that? You know what I mean? Like, sure. what, what, what's a lot of research? <laughs> okay, all right, yeah. a lot of research. The through line between these five films, though, is that each one is led by a monumental uh, uh, musician uh, that is tied oh, into cool. the soundtrack cool. in some way. So, kind of uh, <laughs> obviously, very excited to go into these films. I'll be off the gate, the, and I'll say not all these films are great, <laughs> okay. uh, but uh, at the same time, all of these films sound tracks are notable in some way so even if uh, I'm not saying go watch the movie appreciate the soundtrack because that is a, a standout and I've really fallen in love with all of these five films because of their their music and their soundtrack to it and I think that's a great segue into our first film because of how well the main theme did so let's all jump back to 1971 this is Shaft directed by Gordon Parks mm-hmm. and uh, tell us a little bit about it yep so uh, right off the back uh, I'll be leading off with music Isaac Hayes is behind the Oscar winning soundtrack here uh, and <laughs> I would now like to recite the very first line of the song by Mr. Hayes uh, in the way I can uh, who is the black private dick that has the sex machine to all the chicks that's Shaft you're damn right <laughs> and, and that's how that's how the song goes uh, i mean what what better summary do i have to give to shaft <laughs> than, than that shaft is a private eye uh he works both sides of the law uh and <laughs> when he takes on a job to find a kidnapped daughter he's pulled in opposite directions as the case gets bigger and bigger uh shaft is definitely in that sweet spot for early 70s films of maverick cop but he's not a cop uh and is definitely a middle ground to a lot of styles uh at the time dirty harry included for sure yeah is it safe to say when it comes to black exploitation in general mm-hmm. the films we'll be covering so much is almost like action crime with a little bit of comedy because it's ridiculousness yeah. like it's all yeah. very actually the same genre sure. is that fair to say um it's not the same genre i mean the films we cover today are all crime films, are all kind of gangster films or, or, or around the law. Okay. But honestly, the honorable mentions for this list are probably Dolomite, uh, which is more of a, more of an emphasis on comedy. Yeah. And then even like something like Blackula, which is just a spoof on uh, Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know, if I can say the name with a straight right, face. Right, right, right. Uh, so it's... Uh, there is a mix there. Yeah, I think if there's a crux of why, or, or what, rather, I should say, the the point of me walking away uh, with this special is that these aren't just a genre. It's a film era, really. Um, Got, okay, you know, gotcha. Because these, uh, across those 30 films that were, and probably more, honestly, that, yeah. that just don't have, you know, any sort of um, credits to them. Those, those, these 30s films are all over the map. They're just kind of capitalizing. And, and that, it's more of an era of film than just a singular genre. Gotcha. If that makes sense. Absolutely. This film operates uh, Shaft <laughs> on such a level of 70s coolness he wears this cool leather jacket first seconds of the film he's already walking into traffic flipping off cab drivers you know like 
<laughs> it's just such a such a boiled down 70s coolness to it. Uh, and so many great one-liners from him. Someone asks where he's going, and he says, going to get laid, and then he <laughs>, laughs in his face. <laughs> it's just, it's fantastic. It the, is... the, the subtitle, it's Shaft. Shaft's his name, Shaft's his game. <laughs> <laughs> like they're unbelievably fun films. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and Shaft is having a, a lot of fun as far as uh, as far as his character too. You know, there there is a seriousness to the plot in the sense that there's this kidnapped daughter, but sure, Shaft's just doing his thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> He's the sex machine for all the chicks. Uh, <laughs> but um, there are countless moments in this film that uh, Richard Roundtree, uh, of course, plays Shaft here, has such quick comebacks, like really witty snapbacks at people talking to him. Uh, it, it, it's a genuinely funny movie. Uh, I compare this something to like Al Pacino from Heat, where half of the entertainment <laughs> is seeing where he, what he's going to say or what's coming out of his mouth. <laughs> Wow, I was not expecting a heat rev. Yeah. <laughs> One of the best films ever. Okay, right, right. Uh, so <laughs> I see what it, you're saying, though. There, there's yeah, there's an enjoyment to just like okay, you know what? He's gonna be out of pocket. How does this look out? How does this work out <laughs> with people giving him giving him crap? But yeah, uh, it's 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 very enjoyable for that reason. Let's talk about some of the context uh, of Shaft as well. Uh, this is not the first film of the era. That title actually goes to the X-rated film, uh, Sweet Sweetback's Badass Song in 1971. So same year, Mm -hmm. but not given that crown of of very first of the genre or or the era. However, like most emerging styles, it did not solidify until later with Shaft being released. So I I think I'm, I'm... not even being controversial here, I think this is the the start of it all. This okay. is what made it go electric. Uh, almost immediately after this film's release, there was backlash from the public around these films. Uh, honestly, a very useful research uh, was a Newsweek article that was released at the time mm-hmm. called, called Blacks vs. Shaft, uh, and it outlines the stereotypes of the film are damaging. Uh, and this was a immensely, uh, immensely useful resource in kind of understanding some of the social commentary at the time. I would say Shaft specifically, the social commentary, it rides the line between, or Shaft specifically, I should say, rides the line between working with the cops and taking jobs from his street connections. I think this works because, frankly speaking, he hates both sides. <laughs> <laughs> Shaft is, is just Shaft, you know, he's in for himself, and... Not only is Shaft acting for no one but himself, but it's his own self-sense of justice. And that's where these maverick, Dirty Harry-esque type yeah, of yeah, feelings yeah. are coming into play. Or at least my feelings on, on the stylings of the film. It's funny that you went back to the original kind of articles that were written around this era. Yeah. I think that's important because, well, now, something like this would never, ever, ever be done. <laughs> right, you know right. I mean, it's just like yeah. the most, it's just not acceptable anymore for modern-day Hollywood. Right, right. It's funny because Tarantino also is just noting that this is one of the, this is tied for worst decade ever of movies. <laughs> really, and, and he with the fifties and eighties, he pulls so much from it. I mean, he, right? Exactly. Well, him and him alone, kind yeah. of. Yeah. But it's funny to get that. What was it like back then? Yes. So it was a lot of commentary of this specific film. Right. It wasn't so much the era or what this was turning into. Like, no. Was it yeah. much comment commentary of it, it? It was the fear that uh, a character is being glorified, where the struggle should be highlighted. I see. Okay, gotcha. Uh, and that really is the root of it. And and honestly, it, even to my own process, 
normally I don't go back. It's all about watching in the modern day, but specifically for understanding this term, mm-hmm. which was born back then, um, yeah. I, I needed to kind of understand what was the original outrage to it. And, and like I said, uh, you know, Shaft, not an amazing film, <laughs> but uh, it is, it's got a lot of character. And I, I find this characterization to be identical with any hard boiled detective story coming out at the time, Dirty Harry being the pinnacle in 71, same year. Mm-hmm. I certainly understand the outrage of protesters in this era uh, and the stories that, that, that these stories are to focus on the criminality of it or glorifying um, the criminality of it. But watching in modern day, Shaft seems to be equally obsessed with making these maverick peacemaker characters as really any of the type of action films coming out at the time. So uh, it seems to, at least for this first entry, again, as this type of styling is forming, it really be, it seems to be more on the shoulders of giants of, of other type of films at the time. You know, it's, it, if anything, I would point to Shaft and say, if anything, it's a little generic for, for what else is coming uh, out. It kind of gets lost in it. Isn't that funny? Yeah. 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 So when you boil it down, I would, see, I would say the action is passable, not great. It is for the personality of Roundtree and, and his performance of Shaft. I mean, obviously, this gives birth to countless, countless sequels uh, and, and, and remakes. There's a, there's a Shaft in the 90s that Sam Jackson, Samuel Jackson, plays it. Awesome, yeah. And I believe there's even like a 2000s one that kind of gets them all back on screen, you know, a la Marvel style. <laughs> so I didn't watch those, so I don't know. Honestly, though, uh, you are watching Shaft for the person personality and, and round tree and it is tremendous uh that personality is what spawned it all and trying to recapture a little of the entertainment in this film is uh is why i think it's it's worth it in modern day uh, at least slightly uh, we're gonna go ahead and start it off with shaft at 63 Ooh, okay all right 63 okay movie yeah, okay movie. Like you uh, said, you're there for character. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it's outrageousness. I, I think this very well could, or maybe even some of these, Shaft specifically though, very well could have a better enjoyment, not in a so bad it's good, because it is a good movie on its own, Yeah, but there is an extra enjoyment maybe <laughs> because of that reason. <laughs> Again, the huge personality there. Oh, for sure. All right, now moving on. Welcome, folks, to 1972. This is now Superfly, directed by Gordon Parks Jr. So that's kind of cool and odd and yeah, the, the, weird. They're keeping and, it in the family, I guess. Yeah. yeah I so know. how did uh, how did Superfly kind of fare? And like this, uh, to me, it was the most name recognizable, at least. Sure. You know sure. what I mean? Uh, and I'm happy to say, uh, is probably the best of the bunch. Honestly, uh, Superfly's soundtrack is done by Curtis Mayfield and is a heavyweight. Uh, yeah. So many great tracks here, and I think Superfly might be the best. As far as Mayfield's performance uh, and his albums, period. This also has a great live performance in this that is just largely uncut uh, and kind of serves, or the film serves as a be- a great way to see Mayfield's band in action. That's so, awesome. Yeah, there and, was a, definitely an extra level of enjoyment for that reason. And oddly enough, only nominated, only one nomination mm. for, for a Grammy. Really? Best original score. Yeah. Wow. No wow. Oscars, no nothing, no wins either. Yeah, yeah. And, that, and I think that definitely takes a, a, a sharp nosedive off uh, after Shaft. Okay, uh, so. gotcha. But yeah, I, I will say Superfly, 
Superfly, uh, not to give away the goat, but Superfly was phenomenal. Uh, I really, really enjoyed Ooh. Superfly. I'll start with some of the context here. You know, just to give, and, and I'll, I'll obviously be building on the narrative here of of what this criticism and what this film era means with that term. But the aspect of critique of black exploitation is that these films are is equally painting a glamorous and disparaging picture of the demographic. Uh, it's also insulting to us, to to audiences at the time and audiences now to have characterizations like this. And with so many be- types of film in the genre, the criticism is varied from film to film. So really tracking this back for each film, doing that research to see, well, why was this one a problem and yeah. the growing criticism at the time? Yeah, you know, yeah. Again, the short four years uh, of this being a talking point. So I want to say right away, I completely understand how Superfly specifically being a movie about pimps and dealers is not the depiction the community <laughs> wanted at the time. But I have to stress that even watching this movie 50 years later, I can say yeah, that this is a fantastic cool. film. This is like that's awesome. it's proto Goodfellas. This later. is proto, oh, it's so good. The it's, way it moves, just the oh, way yeah. in the criminal world kind of. Yeah. And- just and just goal oriented around dealing drugs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it was a really good gangster film, uh, and I, awesome. I, I, I loved this. I loved this movie. Uh, Superfly uh, shows us a much rougher look at the city. Uh, if I didn't say it before with Shaft, all these take place in Manhattan. All five of these films very yeah, interesting it, as well in for, Harlem a lot. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, uptown Manhattan, but also uh, I don't know how Hollywood or film studios were. Shooting so much in Manhattan, uh, it, it was kind of interesting as well to to see that. Hmm, okay, why aren't these being done on studio sets? So in that as well, again, kind of leans to more modern films because they're being shot on these city streets. It almost feels real. It doesn't feel like you're in yeah. a studio because you're not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And CD Manhattan in the seventies, you know, uh, pre Giuliani. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. Uh, but no, but Manhattan was a, a shithole for a long time. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's interesting as a time capsule there. But a much rougher look uh, at the city and a much rougher protagonist. Our main protagonist is Priest, played by Ron O'Neill. And he's nothing like Shaft. Um, He is a pimp, he is a coke dealer, and a small-time crime lord, even. Part of the reason I think this rises above the potential criticism of glorifying just a criminal is that Priest's character arc is... He wants to escape the game. He hates, you know, what he has to do as a dealer. So it's about, yes, getting one big deal. He's trying to push like 30 keys of Coke uh, in one big swing to get out of the game. But it is to get out of the game. Such a good classic story. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like Blow, sounds like Goodfellas, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's why this is, uh, you know, it really it really did hold up. So the entire plot is is him trying to escape it. And I think, again, that's at least some of my at least sensibility on why this maybe escapes some of that criticism, uh, where later films we will see how that doesn't escape. He's main plot. It's real simple. He's pushing 30 keys of coke. <laughs> That's it. You know, a constant theme as well to the to the drug dealing that they are forced to resort to it, forced to continue with it by dealing with the man. Uh, and, and the man is the law. So uh, when it comes to... <laughs> the, the subtitle is Superfly, never a dude like this one. He's got a plan. To stick it to the man. There we go. That's perfect. 
It's perfect. Yeah, and, and also, uh, a reason why this gets the crown for Curtis Mayfield's soundtrack <laughs> is... so white, dude. Even <laughs> I, <laughs> I know. Even when I when I was reading the uh, the Isaac Hayes thing, I was like, am I really going to try and do this? I was like, I'm just going to read it straight. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not... Well, I'm, Tarantino's whiter than us. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's that's apparent. Watch any interview with Tarantino ooh, and ooh. Uh, a fellow black man on stage, and you will see him make a fool of himself. It is it is painful. It was painful. It's hilarious. Um, but in Curtis Mayfield's soundtrack, yeah, yeah. this is one of the only few that actually has storytelling it uh, in it, and the songs are about. They can't escape. They can't, uh, you know, the man is on them. You know, these characters on, on, on how they're abused by the law, that tied into the soundtrack, that tied into the story. I, I, was, I was real positive on this one. Superfly is a dynamite movie. Uh, Did you go into it knowing it was big or knowing it was good, looking at, like, critics or reviews? Because it's tough because with these specials, you're doing yeah, a lot of research. There's so much research. So it's hard um, to know. I, I was surprised what I liked and what I didn't. Uh, I think to me, Memory Superfly is the best reviews out of all of these. Maybe, okay. maybe Shaft is up there. But you didn't really. You kind of you did go in at least with semi positive expectations. Okay, uh, gotcha. but if anything, uh, to the research element of this Superfly being a pimp, uh, or I'm sorry, Priest being a pimp. You know, I mean, I thought that's where the criticism was going to hold up, honestly. Gotcha, okay. Also, an amazing supporting cast. So many great little bit characters. There's a wonderful element here that instead of it just being introduced to the law, we're introduced to a criminal underworld, which is much more, you're going to get much more eccentric characters. You're going to get much more cool characters. Uh, His partner in crime, uh, Eddie, uh, played by Carl Lee, is honestly so, so good. Up there with the best support characters you can ask for in a gangster film like yeah. he's so entertaining and again not to not to it's compare the to it is the <laughs> it is the pesci you called it it's the joe pesci effect um and when, uh, when you have a movie like this yeah. and dealing with just like crime stuff yeah honestly you just you want the characters on screen that's yeah. what makes the movies good Absolutely. the good character and the good portrayal yeah you know and, and so much more playground uh to build these type of characters in a criminal world versus a, you know, where Shaft was like kind of both sides of the law. He's just dealing with cops, you know. It, there, there's much more of a reality we're introduced to for it, so. Uh, and Carl Lee, like you said, his name is plays Eddie. Any other, like, attributes that we can... I, I was researching a lot. I don't think he has even a picture on IMBD. <laughs> so... He does either, no. Yeah. <laughs> it was tough. It was tough. And then and then it doesn't help that Superfly as well remade in, like, 2017 or 2018, so... yeah. Yep. Um, you know, we see these are kind of coming around. Very different tone from what I understand, but yeah, didn't watch them, so we'll see. Honestly, uh, I, I just want to, you know, touch on how refreshing this story is because it's not just boiling it down to a tough, hard-boiled detective. You know what I mean? There's, right, there's yeah. exciting things done with this film. Uh, and it's an exciting world to see. Uh, uh, again, I, I understand the criticism with this a lot, but there there are nuances to how it escapes that criticism, and it's a really good movie. <laughs> it's like a really, really good movie. So one thing that I feel is a bit dated <laughs> in, 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 um, in Superfly is that there is this huge, way too long sex scene. Uh, I mean, I'm talking like <laughs> over five minutes, but I... I am knocking it because it's like I mean I'm it, it, it's it's wonderful but it's 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 just way too long it's five <laughs> minutes uh, I do think it's an important note though because if you think about 
the theaters that are housing this, yeah. just like the first, the, the sweet, sweet backs, uh, you know, whatever, I forget the thing. Oh, that, that was that, rated X. Yeah. Exactly. These, these films were filling kind of a soft core aspect to get people in the theater to begin with. Obviously, ah. the theaters in the 70s as well, kind of a different world entirely. So. Yeah, and this was not, it wasn't the major blockbuster screenings yeah the screens yeah. this was on yeah a lot of these probably like in harlem specific mm-hmm. parts of la things yep. like that yeah absolutely so having this uh having this play and have softcore aspects it's something i gotta note because i definitely i mean i, I thought it kind of took away from the film at a certain point because it just runs on forever right yeah. uh but it's also an interesting note because again this is this is style this is the era this is studio involvement kind of playing into what they're kind of trying to create for yep. the demographic so yeah it's definitely it's safe to all these are rated r by the way uh yeah yeah for sure <laughs> Um, and short, like these run times. So, for instance, Superflight, hour and a half. Must have been great, snappy. Great. You're in, you're out. It was great. Great movie. Didn't <laughs> yeah. need it. Didn't need much, much more, you know? Yeah, I, I would say my final notes with Superfly, in a post-Tarantino, post-Scorsese world, this film not only feels quite modern, but you can watch it almost as a template. Wow. Uh, I, I, I'll mention it a few times, and specifically with Black Caesar, but I was kind of side-eyeing Tarantino throughout all of this because... Wow, uh, I don't know. <laughs> he really, it, it's its a little bit rip-off-ish. Uh, I'll, I'll go into, you know, on the shoulders of giants, you know, kind of what I always say there, but I'll tell you what. I mean, uh, Superfly, to the credit of the film itself, despite any stylings that are taken and, and used and tones used, uh, it is a dynamite film on its own uh, and stands up in modern day um, to the people that are ripping it off. Uh, but, um, you know, if you can have some scenes in a film this old that can compete with the pacing, the styling of, um, of, of what I would say is modern, you know, 90s forward type of crime film, yeah. uh, I think that goes to show how, how great this film is. Give it a watch. We're going to go ahead and give Superfly an 82. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Nice. It was, it was a good movie. 82, very good score. Yeah. That's a very yeah. good movie. Absolutely. And, and, and so enjoyable and so sharp in its editing. There's 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 one last I'll, I'll do the last note. No, here. please. There's one la- there's there's a scene where he they he gets his guys his pushermen to start pushing out the cocaine. Mm-hmm. The way it's edited is so good. Like yeah. I, I I don't know it it makes me appreciate <laughs> some more gangster films that I love a little less because it's done <laughs> it did it first. I can't say anyone else did it. So, but yeah, a really great time and. Um, Gets the crown for for the soundtrack as well. Mayfield soundtrack might be his best album, period, uh, on this one. No less that live performance that is largely uncut in this film. So can I say, like, were you surprised of the lack of recognition at the time? Like, I'll just go back to to Shaft. Like, sure. I noticed that it, it, it won uh, the Oscar for Best Original Song. Uh-huh. It was nominated also for the Oscar of Best Music of Original Dramatic Score. Mm. I mean, it's nominated for a Bass BAFTA. You know, Richard Roundtree was also, he was nominated for Golden Globe of, like, Most Promising Newcomer. Really? Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, a lot of the a lot of the noms and the wins mm. for Shaft were music-based. Yeah. But he did get the nom for Golden Globe, which was, like, Awesome. It was big. And if Superfly is this good, it, are you kind of surprised that no one was picking up on this? It's- yeah. It may, maybe that's falling to the criticism at the time because, again, 
you know, I, I can explain why I don't think it falls into the bad side of the black exploitation kind of designation for right, this, yeah. you know, the, the, the label for it. But at the time, maybe, you know, already the building pres- pressure on the Academy. I, I, I don't know, honestly. Hmm. So. All right. Well, an 82. For, yeah. And folk, if you're new to this, for whatever reason, 82 mm-hmm. on the daily ratings is a very good score. Yeah, absolutely. When you're above the 80s, you should, something you should absolutely pretty much yeah. make time, uh, make to watch time it. for. Now, we say 85 and above mm-hmm. is actually. Must watch. Must watch. Before you die kind of list. Right. So that's just to get, you know. Just to show you how good an eighty-two is. Yeah. That's yeah. exciting, and I'm I'm happy for you watching. You must, I mean, <laughs> you must have been in heaven for an hour and a half. Oh man, uh, yeah, it's, it, it was just such a good time. Uh, it was it was it was a truly great film, and again, uh, shocking, uh, downright shocking, how modern it felt. So cool. Uh, so yeah. All right, let's see if we can keep the ball rolling here, Vin, and we'll move on to our next film. Okay, so now we're still in 1972. Same year. Right. This is called Trouble Man. This one's directed by Ivan Dixon. Mm-hmm. And again, why did we, out of all the films, why did we approach this? So Trouble Man was definitely ripe for a cut from this list, especially with some of those Oh, okay. Up. Primarily, I kept it because the legendary Marvin Gaye composes here. And unfortunately, he's not. it's not a super memorable score, but the title track for Trouble Man is, is, is a great song, honestly. A really, really wonderful feel to it, and, and and of course, I love Marvin Gaye as far as uh, as a musician. Unfortunately, a lot of the other parts of the score, I don't know how much involvement they had in mm-hmm. it. Just kind of sounds like a TV movie at the time, and it does cheapen it a little bit. Oh, so, okay, all right. Uh, I'll introduce this. <laughs> Originally, um, Trouble Man landed on the list because of Marvin Gaye, uh, and it, again, the through line of of, of lead musicians uh, kind of running these soundtracks. Tracks, uh, or notable musicians, and then in pre-research, I thought Mr. T was in it. Uh, like I pity the <laughs> fool. Uh, not at all the case. <laughs> Mr. T is the character, not the actor. <laughs> Again, subtitle: Trouble Man. His friends call him Mr. T. His enemies call for mercy. Oh, nice, nice. I love so it. So you thought Mr. T was? I, I mean, thought it was Mr. T. It was makes not, sense. I thought it was a super young Mr. T too. And no, no. So he's played by Robert Hooks. Yes. So how does Robert <laughs> Hooks do? Um, he does all right. He does all right. Okay, so not <laughs> this, this is, electric character as we get in the previous. Yeah. Two. Uh, the reason why Trouble Man was almost a cut because at the time critically panned. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Definitely had a similar. Uh, which we've been uncovering on the normal podcast, folks. Uh, in case you're not, you know, you're a new listener to just the special uh, of these older films having their reviews not be reviewed in modern day. They're like the old reviews being pulled on for, mm. if you will, Rotten yes. Tomatoes, Metacritic. Yes. You know, what I mean, that's it's pulling from the old reviews and. Even at the time, yeah, uh, I mean, this is this is really, really poorly reviewed on Rotten Tomatoes. I think a 14. I don't know if that changes too often. But it's got a 14. A 14. But see, this is what comes in. This is why the Daily Ratings is great. Because exactly. it's got a 14 critic, yep. 63 audience. Yeah, this is a generic movie. This is definitely a boring movie. But in no way this is a 14, you know, or anything like that. Right. Even among the, the this criticism. Is, this is we're in Catwoman territory here. <laughs> yeah. 
For sure. You know? 14 is definitely Catwoman territory. So I, we always say, kind of, we always use the language of it's functioning as a film. Yes. It's just not that great of a film. Uh, right, right. Okay. D- it's not electric to recommend and, and, and really not worth your time. Was this one dragging a bit? I mean, it's weird to say, but it's a whole hour and 39 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it's. I will say, I'm, I was kind of interested in the premise a little bit, uh, but it's just, yeah, it, it, I don't know. It, it's not doing it. <laughs> um, Trouble Man is about Mr. T, not the actor, uh, who is a man of his community. Uh, people kind of bring the Trouble Man their troubles, and he solves it for them. Um, kind of reminded me of the martial arts film Ip Man, where he's just like a community leader, okay, uh, but also willing to get his hands dirty, as all these are kind of, you know, action films as at heart in some way. So, so. it's not, is it just a, ba- is it a gun for hire, basically? Or uh, it's a no, little bit more than that? More so he'll, people will be complaining about something, or again, bring him his troubles. That's how he gets the word, ah. the name Trouble Man, and he solves the troubles. Gotcha, okay, so. gotcha. Not squeaky clean by any means, but a much more positive role in solving issues and offering help in the community. They come to him almost like a godfather, uh, which came out the same year. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It came out, yeah, no, it came no, out it came early in, that year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, once again, we see kind of a a weird pool of films grabbing from films films hitting on same themes at the time the early 70s it's it's wild 70s so. are great for movies yeah yeah so <laughs> uh but similar you know kind of godfather feel people are coming to him for help and then trouble man gets it done basically uh mr t not the actor gets framed for murder <laughs> By the man and uh, has to prove his innocence to solve his own trouble. Um, not a bad movie. Uh, certainly not the Rotten Tomatoes 14 on it, but just very boring. Uh, it's just a boring movie. Damn. Because with um, that premise, could, that could be... Yeah. You got some fun to work with absolutely, there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, similar to Shaft, very much both sides of the law. Okay. Um, sure. I think, I think primarily here my criticism for Trouble Man is just performance stands out on its own. Just one scene kind of drifts into another. A perfect example of this is he there's a very crooked cop that that gives him shit the entire time and they and he he books him just for a night. And the very next scene, like they, they, they literally, the <laughs> the scene is the the door closes. The very next scene, he's out. There's no weight to that. There's right. no. I mean, it's not a long runtime. Right. You got the time to maybe show some, you know, some reflection or you know, anger in jail. You know, yeah. Uh, it's just very inconsequential. The whole film. It's just kind of moving along, scene to scene. You know, not 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 really great. Also, another problem I have is. This character is like a Mary Sue, uh, honestly. Mr. T, not the actor, is good at everything. Uh, he doesn't struggle in anything whatsoever. Okay. He's good at billiards. He's good at kung fu. He, he's a community leader. You know, he is... There is no commonality to, to him and his character. And, you know, staying cool under pressure, that is definitely something that all of the main characters of these films have. That's a part of that 70s coolness, like yeah. I said in Shaft. Uh, but he's just also unfazed by things, and sure, maybe that was meant to come off as confidence, but it's, it's like, very underwhelming. Is, <laughs> like, is he like the Black Terminator? <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> he is, yeah, he's not, 
He's he's on a different planet, basically. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The confidence is oozing. Yeah. Uh, but also like unengaged, which oh, is bad. Oh God, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so they they try to cast him in a light of both kind of good and bad. And honestly, the bad falls short because the bad side of it is just kind of summarized as he's a hustler. We never really get to see the bad side of it. And again, this kind of plays into this. You know, odd to say Mary Sue with uh, with uh, with something so old, right? But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's just he's just kind of good at everything, and nothing's a conflict. My issue isn't with the characterization there. My issue is that the film itself isn't putting emphasis on conflict to make us engage. You know, you need salt and pepper to it. Yeah. So. I, I, I will say, you know, it, it's it's kind of semi-interesting. He is a Robin Hood type figure. Having that uh, in this era is is cool. You know, uh, a lot of films are taking old films, old stories, and 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 changing them up a little bit. But somewhere in the execution, this is a real snoozer. And again, not wow. not long at all. Yeah, yeah, not long at all. So, keep in mind. Uh, I kept this on the list for a few reasons. Uh, keep in mind, you know, Marvin Gaye is one of the most notable names uh, attached to this and a phenomenal opening track to it. But uh, even though, you know, this lackluster film isn't great or doesn't feel great to recommend on okay. a special. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, like, yeah. I like bringing heavy hitters to a special. Sure, sure. Especially how much research I put into these <laughs> things and whatnot. I, I think it does illustrate how these movies in essence, were cash grabs for studios. You know, mm-hmm. if there's anything mm-hmm. leaning to that, to the criticism of black exploitation, it is that these studios were pumping out thirty films, thirty plus films in four years yeah. for what money? Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. and um, I think again for the study, I. I you know, maybe it's it's my own bias of <laughs> me coming up with the list, but I think Trouble Man deserves a slight spot on here because it illustrates that some of these movies were just not good and pumped out, and I think Trouble mm. Man is that. So we're gonna go ahead and give Trouble Man a thirty-five. Ooh, thirty-five. Yeah, yeah. not a fourteen though. That is that's true. That's a great point. Great very point. melodramatic to have this listed at the fourteen. Thirty-five though. Check out the soundtrack. Maybe maybe not the movie. <laughs> right. Kind of that, what that says. That that's why I said in the beginning. It, it, walk away knowing that each one of these soundtracks is worth your time. That that's the that's the through line. All right, Vin. Well, we're going to keep on walking here across the street. So we're still in 1972. Right. Three movies in a row. 1972, this is Across 110th Street. This is directed by Barry Shear. Mm. I'm kind of most interested of why this is on the list. Sure, sure. Um, this has, yeah, it's weird to say, but like a heavier white cast yes. sharing in this. Yep. You know what I mean? But it still counts. Why does this count to be in that era i think definitely because of the script and the script alone okay uh, and i'll get into that for some issues with the film but um music here done by bobby womack the soundtrack has been repurposed quite a lot most notably for 2007's american gangster a phenomenal movie in its own right Big time. uh yeah but uh that title track across 110th street phenomenal right off the bat the look of this film is very sharp uh, great camera work, great close-ups. Uh, this was yet another moment that I said, wow, 
I can strongly see the origin of Tarantino's style. Um, oh, cool. Okay. I wouldn't say it's exactly ripoff territory yet, but wow, it, was it illuminating. Uh, and I get where maybe that was a criticism of his style early on as well, when maybe we're talking about Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown. Well, I mean, definitely Jackie Brown yeah, is yeah. going for it. So uh, The opening shootout is a perfect example of this uh, and is also the powder keg that kicks off the story. Once again, set in New York, uh, we focus on kind of a generic midtown mafia family versus Harlem drug gangs by the name above 110th Street. Three guys, part of, I think just, I don't know if they've done jobs for the for the families in the past, but three guys catch wind of a deal going down between the two gangs, a cash deal for 300K, and they knock it over. And that really gives us many, many players of the story. Hard to say. I would almost call this an epic. Uh, it's definitely an ensemble cast. What? There are so many characters. Now we're forty-two. <laughs> yeah, where are they? Where are they fit? <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's interesting, and you know, it, Anthony Quinn is in it. Yeah, yeah. Who's like a big time actor too? This is what. This is where I'd say just right away. This feels separate. This uh, right. Definitely right. jumps out. As kind of an outlier a little bit. Sure, sure. And maybe this is the studio trying to meld different uh, different demographics coming mm-hmm. through this. Maybe they're shooting for, you know, award season or something like that, trying to create a, a bridge in, in the narrative. Unfortunately, Across 110th Street is really messy. <laughs> it's a oh, okay. very messy film. It, it gets points for being original, but it is juggling a surprising amount uh, to its detriment. Uh, we follow all three criminals individually that knock over this, plus their love interests. We then follow an entirely separate two main detectives having their own police drama. And honestly, it's probably my new vote for earliest buddy cop film because uh, they hate each Ooh. other. Yeah. What was on that list? We did 48 Hours. That's uh, right. And th- that is much, I mean, that's almost a decade later. Yeah, but, so uh, right. But this yeah. has that same feel, that same back and forth. Uh, yes, that hate br- each other. They have to earn each other's respect right. for through the work. Absolutely. So. so was the writing good or was the writing messy along with yeah. the film itself? Too? Unfortunately, it's very messy. Uh, okay. And added to that, uh, we have more characters. <laughs> Probably, um, yeah. We have then two more hitmen, one Italian, one black, uh, that again is added to this. So, you know, this story, it's trying to juggle a lot. It's certainly ambitious. Uh, and trying to give everyone's perspective on their take of crime. But messy is the word. <laughs> messy is definitely the word with this one. I would say acting and writing is definitely what sinks this one for me, where otherwise I would be very positive on it because I give points for originality, especially for appreciation of how that originality can be in 50-plus years of, of film runway, you know? Right, right. Uh, if something is still striking me as original... That's great for a modern day watch, you know. It no, stands for sure. apart. Uh, it's based on a book as well. Oh, really? Uh, on a novel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Just maybe, called it, uh, Across One Hundred and Tenth. Uh, maybe that's uh, definitely part of the reason why so many characters are balanced. It uh, does a lot of the heavy lifting, kind of like yeah. a lot of the work is already done. <laughs> right, right, right. But yeah, this acting and writing uh, plays definitely into my thoughts on how this film fits into the black exploitation era. There is a positive portrayal. In Detective Pope, played by Yafit Kedo, or Kodo, uh, he was an alien, so I, I recognized him slightly. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's really the only true lawful character, uh, even in di- direct comparison to his partner. He looks like a saint. So, okay. the film is doing something to 
not make the bad guys uh, glorified uh, and 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 uh, Kodo's uh, performance as well is trying to trying to do something with with having a narrative that we shouldn't be looking up to this there is kind of a um, um, you know maybe that ties into the to the book itself but there's there's something there taking it to the next level but the film really abuses having criminal criminals as the as the bulk of the roles the script just throws out racial slurs a lot and is just very excessive uh, for okay. instance the mafia hitman uses slurs in almost every sentence and so often that I really just point to it as lazy writing at that point. Like it is oh, every sure. yeah, yeah. single sentence. Okay. Uh, and my criticism is that lazy writing is lazy writing. You know what I mean? That's that's not. I mean, I, and you you open my eyes a little bit on this being a book. I didn't know that coming into this. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's that's true to that. But um, I think for the scope of this project and this and this special. This is more negative than having a, a main character be a pimp or something. The script uses the era as a crutch. And once again, I think that shows a story that the studio is just saying, yeah, pump it out, you know. It's just another one. Right, yeah. Exactly. And that plays into the laziness of the production, too. So, and the messiness of the editing, because <laughs> this film is very messy. There's also just some bad overacting here. Very soap opera levels of yelling, uh, and is just not the best. <laughs> Shocking, sh- and I mean shockingly, Tom. There are some takes left into this that had me screaming at the screen. <laughs> Why would you keep that in? <laughs> Why would you ever not take one more? There's, I think a character burps at one point. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was dying. I was dying laughing at it. Yeah, I think the character that stood out the most was the Harlem gang leader, Doc Johnson. And there's just so many lines. Like he's just like, so they just let him loose, probably on the set. I, I have no That's idea really what. <laughs> I have no idea what happened. <laughs> but yeah, I, I feel like this suffered from sloppy production, and for that, and for you know, for me in, in this study, I think that shows how studios were just kind of capitalizing on the style of the era. Yeah, and if anything, that is the takeaway. I'm not really concerned with the does it pass kind of um, is it something appropriate to watch today? It's more so understanding how are studios using this and how are they making money off of it? Hmm. You know, if anything, maliciously there. Yeah. So. And it doesn't sound like this had a ridiculousness to it that our three films previously had. You know, even no. with Trouble Man, which might have been boring, he yep. himself yes. was just like a ridiculous character, kind <laughs> right? Of. Right, a superhero. And this seems just more tame. Is, yes. that, is that a good? Um, no, um, not more tame. More, more intense. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, and, but but bad intense, like soap opera crying. Like you were you saying, just, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. it's just overkill. You know, I think overall it is a decent gangster film with a lot of originality, and I, I mostly give points to that originality. But uh, again, f- almost fails in its try to be an epic and telling the story of both sides of 110th Street. I would say it's hard for me to not look at this film and once again see a template mm-hmm. for crime films that crime films to come for decades and specifically 90s even to to today. You know, there there's there's a way to do it right and that's Superfly. <laughs> and there's a way to do it wrong and that's across 110th Street. We're going to go ahead and give across 110th Street a 52. Ooh, 52, okay. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised that it, you kind of surpassed it there. Like it, yeah. It, it, two ticks above 50. Yeah, there's, uh, I mean, if anything, I like some of the performances, but uh, again, messy is the word yeah. for this one. Lackluster. 
for sure. Yeah. yeah. Wow, man. Okay. All right. So before we get to our last film here, folks, we just want to remind people, you know, we don't have a producer segment here with the specials, but remember, we're going off the value for value model. You know, are you finding the podcast valuable? Are you enjoying these specials, which definitely take Vin some extra time here? <laughs> and are, are, are you on the website and enjoying the website? Well, if you could, could you give us back some value then? You go to the dailyratings.com, you go to the donations tab, and uh, through monetary support, any amount that you want, any amount of value that you're getting, peg mm-hmm. a number to it, send it our way. And uh, along with it, send a note too, so we can read it here on air and, uh, and have some fun as well. We want to stay away from corporate advertising. If we had corporate advertising, we probably couldn't do this special. <laughs> right, yeah. So we'd be walking on eggshells. <laughs> and, you know, it just it it's kind of another way. I think more and more podcasts are going to be doing it. It's how we're operating. We think it could be something really great. Absolutely. And as always, you know, tell somebody about it. You know, mm-hmm. get the show out there. You know, that just helps us out so much as well. Absolutely. Getting the name out there. So we appreciate you all who, who help produce and continue to produce and those of you who will as well. Mm-hmm. All right, Vin, and with that, welcome to 1973. This is the godfather of Harlan, the cat with the 45 caliber claws. We're in 1973. That's amazing. This is Black Caesar. Cat with the 45 caliber claws. The cat with with the 45 caliber claws. That's amazing. Uh, Yeah, but 73, Black Caesar. This is directed by Larry Cohen. Uh, What do we get here? Yeah, so by no means the last Blaxploitation film or even the last good one, I would say that probably goes to the original Dolomund. Like with every entry here, we are covering this for the soundtrack as well. And Black Caesar is done by none other than James Brown and is phenomenal. Uh, Uh, This soundtrack gets a strong second place for implementation here um i would say if it wasn't for the live performance in superfly i would say this gets the win for sure because there are a lot of songs that james brown is providing okay and they are appropriate they are tying in thematically he really did a phenomenal job here and on top of james brown being legendary you know phenomenal phenomenal soundtrack very cool very cool uh this is a proper proper gangster film though and I would say largely operates on the rule of cool. Uh, that usually means music plus crime. Uh, and, and again, that's that's so where this, this James so Brown true, yeah. uh, soundtrack really comes into play. So uh, Fred Williamson plays gangster Tommy Gibbs, a.k.a. Black Caesar, the cat with the... I really love that. The cat with the forty-five <laughs> caliber claws. That's awesome. We follow his rise to power and, and, and in a pretty significant story arc. Uh, I was really surprised... How much development they packed in this runtime, and even though American Gangster used across 110th Street in its soundtrack, this was like a proto-American Gangster for how much we see his rise to power. Ooh, okay, um, I like this, and and really solid for that reason. I was I was very much enjoying Williamson's performance here uh, in this, and I was just surprised how much development they they packed into this thing. So, so how much do you think? Also, now that we're in '73, sure. you know, Godfather now has had some time. I'm sure this was all post Godfather. Father, sure, like even sure. potentially even writing and everything like that. Yep. So were we pull- even the fact that they say Godfather of Harlem mm. was it really? Could you tell it's trying to be that? No. It does it does it resemble that in any way? Or? Yeah, it, it's its own thing. Luckily, okay, uh, it is its own thing. But for what it's worth. 2007's American Gangster is almost identical to this film. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just wow, how okay. he, he rises to power Very and how cool. much it's about, you know, his family that were supporting him or his family that was with him when he was nothing 
and then you know that changes as he as he you know kind of abuses the power then so uh, uh, i'll make one more note here sure uh american gangster very long film <laughs> this film an hour and 27 you're right it's our shortest shortest on the list the sh- here oh my god hour and 27 it packs it in. i said packed <laughs> i did say packed i didn't realize it was the shortest though mm-hmm. wow yeah. Wow. I mean, we're talking about minutes here, but yeah. yeah, yeah. This film has some really fantastic scenes, and I would say they are brought to the next level with James Brown's soundtrack here, and, and it's really everything you want out of the gangster film, you know, being the rule of cool. Great cinematography here as well. I will admit a lot of risks are taken to create interesting shots. Some definitely don't really? pay off. <laughs> I'll say right there, some just don't, they're not good shots. But <laughs> but a handful really hit in a big way. And, and again, you know, I, I think these films, they are doing creative things to push the boundary. And by a result, filmmakers look back to these and they grab the styles they like they pick and choose mm-hmm. and, yeah you know, absolutely that's that's what's kind of been a through line here i would say there is kind of a, a, a cartoonish vengeance to the action and violence here especially against racist characters we interact with this special like i said had me side-eyeing tarantino the whole time but this one specifically reminded me of Django Unchained, where violence is amped up for the more racist the character is, which, hey, uh, enjoyable, and but just once again, had me looking at Tarantino, I said, someone did this, and you probably know this film very well. <laughs> but is that such a bad, like, as you say, on the shoulder of giants? Yes, yes. What do you know what I mean? Like, what's, what's the problem there? No, it's not a problem. It was more shocking just how identical it was uh, yeah and yeah. shocking because everybody thinks tarantino is the most original he just pulls it out of his ass right. you know he just exactly. makes yeah, yeah yeah exactly okay so uh just a note yeah not not something i'm knocking this film over and i'm not retroactively knocking django for instance you right know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> right so uh but very very interesting to note moving on to some of the bad uh because again <laughs> unfortunately this does not escape having some criticism to it the sound quality is a very very slight to very large problem <laughs> and i'm not talking about the soundtrack because obviously you know, that's that's like knocked out of the park by james brown but there's just a weird sound mixing um there is so much ambient noise to the recording um most scenes have one sound effects track played over in certain scenes, it's a very loud shoe shine uh, sound effect. Other times, it's traffic noises that blare over dialogue that I had to put closed captioning on. It, it's a shame because, I mean, the positive note is very much the sound, but a negative note is the sound as well. So, uh, I don't know. I was scratching my head. I think what really did it for me was... Again, a scene that was just normal dialogue and a character in the background is shining a shoe and it is just the loudest, like, loudest, like, whipping of a towel. It's just <laughs> slapping the leather of the shoe. It's so loud. <laughs> I was, was shocked by it. I would say, once again, this film uses villain characters as an excuse for being chock full of racial slurs and laying them into the dialogue. Uh, I, I would say it's at critical mass here, though, and almost half of the dialogue is slinging slurs. Um, and really? My, my criticism is identical. On a film level, it's just lazy, bad writing, yeah. and that's yeah, yeah. using it as a crutch. 
And for the perspective of the special, I think this is much, far more damaging than being concerned audiences are looking up to a criminal. This feels much more real as a concern, right, you know, right. in the dialogue there. And like I said in the review, at least Superfly, or in Superfly, Priest is looking to get out of the game from the very start. Here, Tommy Gibbs, only his only desire is to do more crime. His only desire is to you know, stick it to the people that, you know, did him wrong. You know, mm -hmm. it's a vengeance story. So, you know, that that still does make an entertaining gangster film, but this is one that I definitely saw what the problems could be then and even problems now because, again, it really just boils down to very lazy writing, this. Uh, does that make sense? Yeah, and I think it would get repetitive and just it would lose its punch. Yeah. It would just lose it. And at that point, it's just now we're just dealing with Slur after slur just to be it. Kind exactly. Of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, think of it this way. If a, a crappy horror film just would uh, layer in F-bombs or, or, or just curses because they have the rated R rating anyway, right, you'd call right. that lazy writing. Same concept Yeah, same deal. Here, yeah, absolutely. You know? I, I will say I slightly debated, uh, <laughs> kind of with a few of these, uh, pulling this from the special from for different reasons. I really believe this was the most important watch, though, to satisfy my curiosities for the era. It really all came together with Black Caesar. Wow, okay. You know, walking into these films, I knew I loved the soundtracks already. I knew I liked the style through Tarantino ripping them off, but I could not tell you why black exploitation was problematic as a term mm -hmm. yeah. and, and what it really meant. Um, black Caesar genuinely has an excellent story, feels like a modern gangster film, but finally I felt and I saw how these problematic aspects could chip away at the good experience yeah. I had with the film. And I think it really was an aha moment. It was a light bulb moment to say, oh, I finally get it now. And... It's interesting because Black Caesar does have a lot to offer. You know, it's because of what that Newsweek article was concerned with glorifying or glorification washing over struggle. That is the problem hmm. that Black Caesar has with this. Uh, for the ratings, this film wins big and loses a lot more. I think if these problems were both in production quality, in context, you know, if they had a little bit more care put into them, it would have been up there with Superfly, honestly, because wow. there's a lot of originality wow. here. But there's also a lot of problems, and it's also just a very messy film. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't understand some of the problems it has. <laughs> and honestly. budget, probably. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which ties into that whole I think, I think a through line is. To understand the era is to understand who's making the films, and that ultimately is the studio. And right. as with any movie, it's for money, but I think that's an important context to understand these films. So with Black Caesar, we are going to go ahead and give it a 69. Oh, wow. Okay, 69. Mm -hmm. That's like a pretty, that's still a pretty all right film. Still pretty all right film. I mean, film. when you're flirting with 70, I mean, 70s are, are you know, pretty pretty good films. So yeah. that's, 69 is not bad at all. And I think specifically it doesn't crack 70s for a lot of reasons, mainly some of these, like, technical issues again with that sound yeah just yeah like, what is happening uh, <laughs> but wow, uh, better than i thought it was gonna be yeah yeah because again if anything let it illustrate that it could have had the heights of superfly but um you know kind of falls into the genericness yeah. uh, of what uh, the worst of the era can be uh, and didn't rise above to the cream at the top basically wow. Man, okay, all right, so 69 for Black Caesar. Uh, interesting, so Fred Williamson being like mm -hmm. Tommy Gibbs in this, mm -hmm. and then he did others, like he did Hell Up in Harlem. 
where I think he's playing the same character. Oh, really? Also came out in 1973. Oh, wow. Quick, quick it's, turnaround. It's all just very... Con- yeah, he plays Tony Gibbs, it, it, Tommy Gibbs again. It's just yep. so confusing. Yeah. And definitely with Shaft and, and, and probably this, a lot of sequels spawned. Because if anything hit out of those, you know, they, right. they oh, latched yeah, onto yeah. them right away. Here's a question. So... We know we're dealing with a four-year span in the era, kind of, 71 mm-hmm. to 75. I'm surprised to see none in 74 or 75 here on our list. Right, right. Is it because at that point it's been there, done that? I it's think, played out? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of been there, done that. Like I said, Dolomite comes out in 75. Definitely an honorable mention here. So that's next. Yeah, so let's get into what, sure. what honorable mentions do we have? Uh, Dolomite and Blackula, basically. Those are the okay. two there. Interesting. Uh, so not Black Dynamite. Uh, well, I mean, Black Dynamite is definitely uh, using it as a as a as a comedy presence. I don't think it would be it itself. Okay, and Dolomite, you're right. It is getting new. Was it redone recently? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, or or a sequel. uh, I honestly don't know. Okay, Uh, it's um, it was Eddie Murphy uh, with it. So, oh right, right. Yeah, of course, I think Amazon had big money behind it as well. Uh, I hear actually it. great movies, uh, great, great uh, things about that movie. We might so. have to check it out then in yeah, the future. Yeah. So, but yeah, very interesting. Hopefully, I've been able to give perspective to this. You know, um, I think so. It's a weird. T- it's a weird thing. Again, just the word black exploitation just doesn't sound good. You're right. right. You know, but <laughs> to walk on eggshells with it. But but at the same time, it's. We have a huge amount of films in a very short period of time that were meant. I mean, this is it's just like you said, studios pumping it out, yeah. mostly all black cast, men for mostly all black audiences, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and these things exist. <laughs> amazing soundtracks, yeah, amazing soundtracks. Uh, sometimes amazing films, <laughs> and again, uh, has a place in modern day because. Uh, you know, these films are taken from. They are source material for a lot of filmmakers. Right. So to study that, to see if they're worth your time as the source material, again, uh, that was at the root of my curiosity. And the root of my curiosity being that I liked one part of it already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but still could not answer the question of why the term was problematic and why it was, uh, you know, a, a tough thing to, to wrap your head around. So... These these are the type of time. These are the times that uh, you know a special. It's about discovery for me as well, and this was a perfect example of uh, curiosity fueling uh, what I was diving into in my watching. Very cool, Vin. All right, I love that we did this. Yeah, yeah, that was a good special. It was pretty snappy too. Yeah, right. Yeah, not not too long. I like the film. Like the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, this was a good time. I I can't wait to check out Superfly. Really, I mean, an eighty-two oh, yeah. on the list is unbelievable. Absolutely. Um, but speaking of which, so looking at these, Vin, is there anything you want to add? Are we going to roll credits here on this special? I, I think we're mostly good. Uh, I would say if you have, uh, folks at home, any thoughts on what would be maybe more essential aside from these uh, from these musicians. It is tough to pluck yeah. from this. Like putting a, an essential thing together, it is difficult. Yeah. You know, I'm glad you paired up with the music because that that in itself mm-hmm. is so essential to the films. Yeah. Yeah. And it was kind of like a, well, worst case scenario, listen to the soundtrack. <laughs> 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 Not that I recommend music that much but yeah curious to see and, and if anything with mm-hmm. um, like you brought up with more of a modern film folks at home do you feel there is a something that represents this era of film but not necessarily in the year span very curious to hear so. awesome Vin. Vin thank you so much for doing the research for checking out for doing this special for mm-hmm. us folks at home we'll run it down one more time we have Shaft with a 63% Superfly with an 82 Trouble Man with a 35 Across 110th Street with a 52, 
And finally, Black Caesar with the 69%. Folks, we thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Daily Ratings Podcast. enjoy the podcast if you would could you give us a good rating or tell a friend about us if you're wondering if a film is worth a watch or if you'd just like to see more movie ratings from vince be sure to stop by the dailyratings.com where we have our ever-expanding catalog of films also if you found value in the podcast or our site become a producer and go to the donations tab on the dailyratings.com you can donate whatever amount of value you feel you see from us we're looking to build this into something large and great, but also be independent from those corporate sponsors. So we greatly appreciate any support from you all. So thanks so much, and we'll see you next time on the Daily Ratings Podcast. <laughs>